afternoon. Welcome to the Extension Hour. I'm Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family and Community Health. And I have my coworker, Brandon Gregson, with us today. Brandon, say hi. Hey. And we have some special guests who are master naturalists, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We have Adrian Pequette. Did I say that right? Pequette. No. Pequette. Not very close. <laughs> you know, I really want to put that Q in there. Pequette. Okay, so Pequette. All right. And um, Adrian, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am an educator for the Texas Wildlife Association. It's a nonprofit organization, and there are two educators in the Houston area. And I reach kids K through eight in uh, their science classrooms. We teach wildlife programs to kids in Montgomery County, Waller County, Western Harris, and Fort Bend County. It's um, a big area. It is. <laughs> so we, we reach a lot of kids mm -hmm. and every year, and adults as well. We teach teachers during the summer, and we talk with them about how to integrate uh, conservation of wildlife and natural resources and uh, habitat management into their classrooms, whether it's a science classroom or a language arts classroom or social studies classroom, helps them to uh, connect with kids where they're at and help them to understand their their native habitat a little bit better. Great. So glad you could be here today. We also have Scooter Langley with us. Scooter, hey. say hey. Introduce yourself. All right. My name is Scooter Langley. Um, I teach for Lee College. I teach horticulture for them. Uh, our main campus is in Baytown, um, but we have a center in Huntsville. And at that center, we teach uh, different programs in the T TDCJ, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, uh, uh, prison programs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I teach at the Ellis Unit in Huntsville. And it's just a typical college program. So we teach them all about horticulture. Um, they get in their associate's degree with us with horticulture. Um, you know, and it's... It's a different world, but it's it's sure. great to get in there and teach those guys. Great. Well, I'm so glad you could be here yeah, today, too. You. So we're, we're going to talk a lot about what you're doing with Texas Wildlife. We'll talk about what's happening there with the Lee College program. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the Master Naturalist. But before we do that, let me tell you something that's happening, like with our Master Gardeners, because that's a big part of um, Extension Service and what we do. And so since this is the Extension Hour, we like to um, we like to highlight our people, our programs, and our partnerships. And so um, we want to talk about some of the things that are happening there. So with our Master Gardeners, they do a Saturday series of classes. So once a month on Saturday, they have classes that are open to the public. Anybody can come to and, and they focus on different topics each month. And so this month, um, on June 8th, so about a week, a little bit more than a week from now, they will be doing um, all about bees. So the first session, what they do is two sessions. So one session is 8 to 10, and the other one is 1030 to 1230. And um, people can come to one or both. So it's like a, a $5 charge, um, and that covers refreshments and handouts and that kind of thing, but very nominal fee. Um, to learn lots of great information. And they, the Master Gardeners are really good about including hands-on activities. So it's not just sitting and listening to what they're talking about, but um, actually getting your hands and doing some. So this will be interesting if they do hands-on stuff with bees, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> might be some limitations there, but good hands-on learning is always good with beekeeping. So. That's right. So this one is all about beekeeping. <laughs> it's um, So the first session is What's All the Buzz? bringing bees to your garden. That's the one that will be 8 to 10. And then um, the next session, um, the second session will be other pollinators besides bees. What other pollinators are there besides bees, Brandon? Butterflies. I mean, and a lot of times when people think about bees, they think about the honeybee or bumblebee. But there's a lot of other pollinators in the bee family, you know, um, leafcutter bees, boring bees, things like that, you know. 
boring bees, like we, the ones yeah, that are you ones, know, like the ones that bore into the wood. Yeah. Oh, that's so, kind of <laughs> uh, there's a lot of different pollinators out there that that we try to to educate people on. Great. So, um, like again, that's open to the public. You can give us a call at the extension office to sign up, or actually, you can just show up that day um, at the extension office. So, 9020 Airport Road is our address, and that's right across the street from the Lone Star Convention Center for um, folks who know where that's at. Um, of course, in Conroe, and then our number. Um, and I always hesitate when I say the number because we've got several different numbers. So, you know, if you, if you know a different one, don't freak out. But 936-539-7824. Um, we have like a little menu system and it'll get to get you to whoever you need to talk to. And so even if you press the wrong button, you'll get to somebody. I, I get, I got a call the other day and it was something about centipedes mm. that they went and I was like, Lots um, of that right yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> I am the wrong person to talk to, but let me connect you, which is the great thing about our master gardeners. They, um, are full of really good answers and information as well as Brandon, our local expert on ponds and, just whatever comes <laughs> yeah, pretty much anything. to the table, yeah. yeah. Get some interesting yeah. questions. All right, so we're here to talk about you guys and uh, Master Naturalist. So um, tell us a little bit about the history of Master Naturalist. You know, we always think of Master Gardeners, and we've had those around for a long time. And Master Naturalists are similar, but they're also very different as well. So Master Naturalist, the program started statewide in 1998, there are currently 48 chapters statewide. So it's not by counties like Master Gardeners right. is. Uh, the Hartwood chapter was established in 2004, and we have members, we, we typically do our, our uh, service hours in Walker County, Waller County, and Montgomery County. And we have members that don't live just in Walker, Waller, or Montgomery counties, uh, but we have monthly meetings where we get together and we learn. We have... Um, advanced training opportunities to learn more about our natural resources. We do learn about bees sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, our native bees, but but similar to master gardeners, we learn about our uh, how to integrate our knowledge into wildlife and having a healthy habitat, uh, whether that's people volunteering by planting native plants or removing invasive species um, our service hours also include things like making new trails or uh, keeping up those trails, taking kids on hikes. We have master naturalists who volunteer as wildlife rehabbers and uh, as people who are educators. So we have a, a number of people who have very wide fields of interest that they can come and learn about different things uh, at our monthly meetings and then extend their knowledge there and then take that to the field where they can uh, be a service to our communities. Right. So the, the, the master model or the master volunteer model, I mean, the idea is um, you've got an interest in something and yeah. you do extensive training in that. And then you also give back. Um, so it's not just you keep that knowledge to yourself so that you can have a better life personally, but it's the, the outreach component is a really important part of the master volunteer program. So whether it's master gardener or master naturalist, or we even have some master wellness volunteers. So all of that, that the idea that, I mean, that kind of what makes it a little different than just a regular volunteer because um, extension um, thrives on volunteers. I mean, volunteerism is a really important part of what we do in extension. And we could not have the outreach that we have without having volunteers. And so being able to have um, people who have a very 
specific interest and in a, in a passion, I would say, too, for whatever that area is um, to help us extend that um, knowledge and the information is just awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like with master gardeners, you, a lot of those guys feel like they have a good green thumb. Mm -hmm. And with the Texas Master Nationalists, if you got a black thumb, we want you. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those programs where you can take care of fish, birds, um, any kind of wildlife. You don't have to deal just strictly in plants, which is really cool. It opens the door up for a lot of different people. And both programs are great. And, and we have interaction with both programs. People who do Master Gardeners do the Texas Master Naturalist, mm -hmm. which is perfect. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just it just opens the door for a lot of people to do a lot of different things than just plants. Sure, sure. So Naturalist, that it just includes nature. I mean, how would mm -hmm. you explain that to someone? So I have a friend who, every, every time I say master gardeners, he has this idea of um, people who, like like monks who walk around, mm, I don't know why. Singing through their but, plants. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, master naturalist, I'm sure that there's visions that come to people's minds when you think of a naturalist. But how would you explain that to someone? I don't, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, every volunteer that I've met, they have a love for something. Mm -hmm. And it could be for the bees like, like we're talking about. They know everything about bees. And you're sitting over there like, oh, I want to know a little bit more about it. Mm -hmm. So we got somebody. But then the person next to them could be a worm lover. <laughs> I mean, they love everything about worms. Mm -hmm. Or the next person loves rocks. I mean, it could be, it just opens the door for someone to learn about one subject and then share that topic with other people in your group. And that's what's cool about it. Because yeah. when you start talking about plants, you know, I love Master Gardeners, but you know, growing plants is pretty similar. I mean, growing a rose or a shrub, I mean, it's pretty similar the way they propagate, they seed. Sure. And, but with the other naturalist stuff, it's you're getting a little bit of everything now. Yeah. How would you and, explain it? I mean, let me tell you some numbers here. So sure. Harwood in 2018 had 90 volunteers providing 10,000 hours of service in the form of natural resource management, education, and research. We work with partner organizations like local parks and forests, um, conservation groups and schools to help not only, like Scooter said, to learn about these things, but to share that individual's passion. Mm -hmm. And there, there are plenty of people who have multiple passions and they want to share that with, with kids um, or they want to take people on hikes and show them the plants that they know. Uh, so it's, like Scooter said, it's just a variety of, of people getting to learn about a variety of things and how it all fits together. Great. Brandon, do you want to add anything to that? No, one thing that's going through my mind, though, is a lot of the questions that we get, whether it's master gardeners or naturalists, is, you know, how do I become one? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. a good thing to note is that these guys complete a number of certification hours that they right. actually go through prior to being called a master naturalist, right. you know. There's a given number that the state has, was it 40 hours of classroom um, and experiential learning that you complete? Uh, I think it's eight hours of advanced, advanced training, training. Which is like research and, and learning from experts about a certain topic. Right. And then the volunteer, volunteer hours, hours would be 40 hours completed every year in order to maintain your master naturalist status. Mm -hmm. But of course we have people who are completely busy and they just enjoy coming to the classes uh, regardless of whether or not they get a pin that year or they earn a pin for having their 40 hours of uh, volunteer service. But they enjoy the opportunity to learn more about different volunteer opportunities and learn more about the nature and habitat where we're at right here in Texas and in, in North Houston, specific to our area. 
Okay. So we're going to have to take a little bit of a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about some of the specific projects that you guys have been doing, especially uh, it's pretty interesting what yes, you guys are doing there in a, at the TDJC. Um, but you're listening to the Extension Hour. We're here every Friday, 1 to 2. We talk about our people, our programs, and our partnerships, and we'll be right back after this. Family and community health programs provide science-based education designed to improve the overall health and wellness of individuals, families, and communities. Developed by experts and delivered locally, topics include child and adult health, nutrition, child care, financial management, passenger and community safety, and building strong families, all encouraging lifelong health and well-being for every person, every family, and every community. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension helping Texans make their lives better. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936 936- 647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Have a legal question? Are you a resident of Montgomery County? Call 281-645-6344 to talk to a volunteer attorney from the Woodlands Bar Association. We answer the phones on the first Monday of every month at 281-645-6344 from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. to provide general legal information and information about legal resources to Montgomery County residents. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B and, of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. Welcome back to the Extension Hour. I'm Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family and Community Health. I've got Brandon Gregson, County Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources. We have Adrienne Paquette. Uh, you are the Lands Outreach Educator with Texas Wildlife Association. And we also have Scooter Langley, who is Lee College Horticulture Instructor and, instructor mm, and yeah. also a Master Naturalist. Yes, those are, all of those are a mouthful. So we say in Extension. We, lo- we like words. We also like acronyms. We use acronyms a lot, and we try to so try to make sure that I say whatever mm-hmm. those are. But you know, sometimes I forget. So, um, speaking of acronyms, uh, <laughs> let me tell you what we're doing in the FCH program. So, FCH is Family and Community Health, um, which is the area that I work in, and so it's all about family health and wellness. Um, and our, our big project now is uh, Walk Across Texas. It's a physical activity program, and we're actually kind of wrapping that up. 
Uh, most of our teams have finished. We ended up with um, about five, close to 500 people participating. We had about 70 teams, so it's teams of up to eight people. Um, and the goal was within eight weeks, they were trying to collectively do enough physical activity to equal about 832 miles, which is roughly the distance across Texas. And you know, if they were master naturalists going on hikes and that kind of thing, that would help rack up their their miles and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we, at the very end of the project, we do what we call a prize patrol. So we go visit um, teams where they're at um, in their like, you know, workplace or whatever, wherever we can gather them. Um, the libraries always participate in the Oh my gosh, librarians, they are very competitive. <laughs> they are like hardcore competitive in this uh, project. So anyway, uh, we bring balloons because everybody loves balloons. And we have this banner that says, I walked across Texas. So we take pictures and celebrate and give out the last few prizes that we have. So um, it's just a great way to help people, encourage people to become more physically active, to develop healthy habits um, and learn something along the way. So um, that's one of the things that we're doing today. We're learning something along the way. Um, so we've been talking about Master Naturalist and the the, the program. Um, and as you guys mentioned, they're not they're more area focused, not so much county focused like we are in a an extension. Um, but uh, Scooter, you're doing some pretty interesting yeah. things, huh? Um, you know, each Texas Master Naturalist has their own little project that we kind of take on and and being part of. And one of the things that I'm part of is a group called Friends of Lake Livingston. And majority of those board members are either master gardeners or Texas master naturalists. And that whole project is basically bringing Lake Livingston back to life. We work over at Lake Livingston, um, adding native uh, plants back to the habitat, putting out artificial reefs um, in the water. And what we're trying to do is stop the siltation, clean up that water, add native plants, help the reptiles, the fish, the birds, the insects. Um, and just making that water the best quality that we can for, you know, the citizens of Houston, because the majority of that water goes to Houston. Mm -hmm. And in the way that um, Lee College has partnered with that is um, my students are the, the majority of the ones who grow the water willows and all the native plants that then go to high school kids to go out and plant in Lake Livingston. And we're always looking for volunteers. It's an awesome project. We get to get out there, get in the water get wet and dirty, plant native plants, uh, put out artificial reefs for, you know, the bass that are out there. And it's an awesome project. And um, the Texas Master Nationalists are really heavy in it. There are a lot of volunteers that are working on that project. And it's just a, it's an awesome project to be part of. So what does an artificial reef look like? Well, an artificial reef is basically just a lot of PVC. It's put mm -hmm. together to look like a Christmas tree or a big square with different, you know, places that fish can hide where algae can grow on. And, and Texas Parks and Wildlife takes it out there and dumps it in certain areas that we feel like, you know, we want fish to come attract to them. It's, it's basically a habitat for them to hide. Um, there's not a lot of native plants out there. There's not a lot of plants in general in Lake Livingston. So by adding these native plants and those artificial reefs, we're just trying to help that environment and conserve Lake Livingston. And so it's just a great project. Okay. So is there, um, can anybody do a we want, reef? I mean, but it, so someone just, I mean, how, how does that work? Well, um, you can go to our, our website. It's Friends of Lake Livingston. Um, it tells you everything about it. And what we believe is if, if you show up to one planning, you're part of the group, and we want you to be there. And our next planning is going to be in sometimes in, in June. Uh, we're going to have another big planning in September. Uh, we're, we're looking at trying to plant about 10,000 water willows in September on Lake Livingston. And it takes a lot of volunteers, um, and we need everyone that can come out there. They can drive a boat. Um, they can plant the plants. They can haul the plants. 
Um, we, we hook up with a lot of high schools in the area, and they bring their ag departments out there with their kids and with all the great teachers they have, and they plant the water willows for us, and they get the, get the kids out there in the water on the school day because um, my students can't get out. Um, they're all locked up in prison. They're mm-hmm. part of my horticulture program at the LSU unit. And, but they feel like they're still giving back because they're the ones who propagate and grow all these plants. And so that's one way that they feel like they can give back to society is growing these plants and then turn those plants over to the high schools and then where the kids can get out and the volunteers can get out and go plant them. And then the ultimate goal for that project, too, is to give them skills to help them be productive once they get out. Most definitely. The skills that they're learning inside the prison, they're learning how to propagate. They're learning how to keep these plants alive. They're learning how to fertilize, uh, put pesticides on them. It's, it's everything you have to do in landscaping, nursery businesses, growing plants, keeping them alive, and, and how to plant them. And so that's what these guys are doing. And, and they feel like they're giving back because, hey, they're looking at growing this plant. They're giving it to a high school kid who's just now learning mm-hmm. and then giving it back to the society by planting these plants in the lake, which is then helping those uh, people who live in Houston who use that water. So, yeah, it's a cool project. And you, and you said that that program, too, allows people to get their um, associate's degree. So by the time they are released from prison, they have a degree under their belt. Yeah, and- correct. Uh, my students who are at the LSU unit, they're going for, through Lee College. Um, they spend about a year with me. Um, and through that program, they're taking regular college classes. Um, they'll also take their academic classes, which is English, math, science, you know, all the fun stuff mm-hmm. we didn't like to do. We like to do the technical side, and they do, too. But once they get done, it's about a two-year two-year program to get their associate's degree and and a lot of these guys have never been in school they've never helped anybody and so this is all new experiences for them where they're giving back to society society helping with the plants uh, getting the degree and our whole main goal is that these guys can get out uh, get a job help their families get back to society and not go back to prison um, we want these guys to get out of prison with a degree to do something compared to guys who get out of prison and go back to the same thing that they were doing over and over again. I mean, that's not helping anyone. And, you know, and and these guys who are in this program, they want to be in that program. They want to go through school. They want to learn. They want to give back. And so it's, it's a great program that Lee College is doing. Good. good. So if anybody wanted more information about that, how would they find out? Um, uh, Lee College has a website. It's www.le.edu.com and they can go on there um, they can email me if they want to. Um, uh, my e- email is jlangley at lee.edu if they want to know more about that. Um, it, it's a great program, but I also go look at that Friends of Lake Livingston. You'll, you'll be really surprised of what great things they're doing over there. Okay. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Hey, no problem. And then, Adrian, you're doing some really cool stuff with Girl Scouts. That's right. In the spring and fall, the Girl Scouts in the San Jacinto Area Council uh, put on these hikes at, in Conroe at uh, Camp Arnold and Camp Misty Meadows. Mm-hmm. And the Girl Scouts will come out, and they may be just coming out for the day, or they may be camping over the weekend uh, with their troops. And while they're there, they sign up for various activities. And one of the activities is uh, what we call Hikes with Henry and uh, or Hikes with John and Friends. And they're the ones who kind of put on these hikes and gather volunteers most of the volunteers who are leading these hikes are master naturalists and are sharing their passion about the wildlife with the girls uh, that are there, as well as the troop leaders. It's surprising to me how many of the troop leaders end that hike and say, wow, I didn't know that this plant was edible or that this plant was invasive or that these tracks belong to a hog and not a deer. 
Uh, so it, it keeps everybody involved and it, it really, it's good to start young and the girls in the Girl Scout program are surprisingly well educated on, uh, on wildlife issues, even younger kids. Uh, and so they're, they fall into this passion with you. You know, when, when you're sharing your passion with these kids and they're excited about it because you're excited about it, it's easy to get carried away. And it's amazing how fast two hours goes by with a group of six-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> with how much we're, we're talking and, and walking and covering very little ground, surprisingly, but we want to stop and look at all the pine cones and find some trees that have holes in it and speculate about what kinds of animals live there. Um, so it's a, it's a, neat, a neat thing to do uh, and volunteer with. Um, the, the other master naturalists that I know uh, do that, uh, and we schedule these hikes semester by semester um, and so I guess to learn more about that would be to go through the Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. uh, it has it on their website in order to sign up for those hikes if you're a Girl Scout troop leader. Uh, if you go to Camp Arnold or Misty Meadows. Um, if you're interested in volunteering as a hike leader, the, uh, the best way I know of would be to come to our Master Naturalist meetings and get to know some of the hike leaders that also go on these hikes because you don't, you don't necessarily have to know everything about wildlife in order to enjoy taking a hike with Girl Scouts. Um, and it's, it's always fun to be a partner hike leader even with somebody else who maybe knows more about one thing or another. Uh, but we're, we're constantly learning and the kids are constantly teaching me things and showing me things that they think is fascinating that I wouldn't have thought of as being really interesting, like how tiny a leaf is or how a hole in a, an oak gall must mean that there must have been a wasp that lived there. So it's it's a constant adventure. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about volunteering and giving back is, um, you know, that sense of, of accomplishment and helping others. I know that there's a lot of jobs out there. I mean, Brandon and I have talked sometimes about how, you know, we really like our jobs and we like being able to help make a difference in somebody's lives. And, and I know not everybody's job is like that. So sometimes volunteering gives you that opportunity to help others and to make a difference in others' lives um, directly, not that you know, not every, it, there's something about every job. I'm sure that that's why it's a job because it's needed, but um, being able to volunteer and help with others is, is one of those great things. And having someone to say, thank you for teaching me something new. And then, like you said, always learning something new because there's always something to learn. I mean, I, w what's the most interesting thing that you've learned lately? That's a good question. I think, uh, <laughs> Thinking about the bees earlier, we had a Master Naturalist uh, chapter meeting a few months ago where we had a honeybee, um, uh, apiar apiarist, apiary, how do you say that? <laughs> somebody who somebody who raises bees. Yeah. <laughs> a honeybee specifically. And honeybees are not native to North America, mm -hmm. but it's they're still a part of our ecosystem. Um, and they still provide pollination to a lot of our plants, even native plants. Mm -hmm. Uh, so learning more about honeybees and things that you might see in your everyday life, but don't think about until you, you learn the little details. Or mosquitoes. Uh, there was a, a, a lady from the Woodlands Township who is responsible for 
mosquito education. Mm-hmm. Came she came out to teach us about mosquitoes in the Houston area, and uh, I did not know that mosquitoes are pollinators and that they eat nectar, but the females are the ones that are getting blood in order to feed their eggs. Uh-huh. So there are some good things about mosquitoes, <laughs> I guess. You know, if you're trying to you know really dig for something to like about them. Yeah. Some redeeming quality. Yeah. What about you, Scooter? Um, mine's kind of it starts out as a sad story, and then it, it's a good one. But with our water willows that we do for our friends at Lake Livingston Project, we, you know, we're trying to do research, learn about them. Um, and my guys are very protected of these plants. And we noticed that some caterpillars started eating them. Mm-hmm. And first thing they did is they got out there and they just started killing them. I'm talking about about a thousand. They were just killing them. And so the guys were squashing them. Yes, they were squashing them. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, and because they were protecting the plants, they were mm-hmm. eating the plants. The plants were their babies. And come to find out, those caterpillars are actually Texas pearl crescent butterflies. And, it's, and the water willow is a host plant for them. And so we just stopped immediately. We stopped killing them because we go back to, you know, the pearl crescent is a great pollinator and it's a beautiful little uh, butterfly. And so it was one of those stories where we're, we're starting to kill them and then we're like, okay, we need to learn about why are we killing them and what are they? And when we started doing research and then we stopped that immediately and, and it didn't even hurt the plants. They chew on them to get their food and the plants recover great. But that water willow is a host plant for the Texas Pearl Crescent and it's a beautiful little butterfly. And so that was just something new that we learned as a class and something now we can share that, hey, we've got a host plant for butterflies if you love butterflies. And oh. so, and I love analogies, and I could see, like, really some important life lessons in that analogy right there. Because, you know, I mean, they were yeah. going to town killing them. They were just protecting their babies. Right. And then all Don't of a sudden, want to kill the plants, yeah, so yeah. kill them so first. all of a sudden we yeah. found that, hey, there's something beautiful from this ugly black caterpillar, and that's what we found out. And now we just leave them alone. They do their thing, and... It's great to see the transformation from this ugly, you know, black caterpillar to this beautiful <laughs> butterfly. So Very cool. Okay, so I want to talk about some more lessons that we've learned and some things that people that are listening today could maybe um, go back and uh, apply to their lives. So, um, you know, maybe they, they don't want to become a master naturalist, but how can we um, protect our environment a little bit better? How can we be a little bit more naturalist? So we are going to take a little bit of a break, and then we will come right back. You're listening to the Extension Hour every Friday right here on Lone Star Radio, and we'll be right back. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our determination, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Remember to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM 104.5-106.1. If you are on your computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. Lone Star Community Radio broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. 
What can the Better Living for Texans program do for you? You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. This is Rick, TRC. Every Tuesday on my show, Afternoons with Lone Star, from 3 to 7, I play back-to-back classic rock hits. That's right. I like to call it a two-for-Tuesday or a three-for-whatever-it-is-you'd like. Call the request line, 936-647-3776, or message me on Facebook, Afternoons with Lone Star, make a music request. That's right. You can do it. Here's what else. Go over to our website, IRLoneStar.com. Get the app on your phone. It's easy. You'll like it. Welcome back to the Extension Hour. We're talking about people, programs, and partnerships. We've got some great guests with us here today talking about Master Naturalist and some of the things that um, they do and, and some, some awesome projects that you guys are involved in. Um, so speaking of awesome projects, our 4-H program is really a, an amazing program. And uh, we've got several things going on. So the, the summer gets kind of busy with things like camps and contests. So uh, Texas 4-H Roundup is coming up. Um, June 11th, 12th, and 13th. And so this is a huge event that we have in College Station. Kids from all over the state come to College Station for the week, participate in lots of different contests. Um, There's also educational opportunities. Some of the contests are invitational, and then some of them they have to qualify for. So it's it's just a really great event for all the kids um, that are participating. And then in addition to that, there's also a leadership lab, which is uh, another word for a camp. It's kind of funny. We call it a lab, but um, Leadership Lab this year is at Sam Houston State University. Um, it's, it's hosted at different places, but it's an intensive three-day camp teaching kids about leadership skills because um, that's one of the big things about 4-H. And then um, a lot of folks don't know that we also do youth development. So um, in addition to our traditional 4-H programs, we're also really involved in um, uh, curriculum enrichment is one of our youth development projects. And so there's a couple of teacher trainings coming up. Um, a junior master gardener training is happening on June 10th, and that will be at our extension office. Um, again, 9020 Airport Road. That's 830 to 3 p.m. on June 10th. Um, and again, you can call the extension office to register for that 936-539-7825. Um, that one does have a $35 fee. Um, and then there's also a science teacher workshop. So a lot of different things that um, curriculum enrichment that we have that can help with um, teachers. So uh, it's for uh, K through five science teacher workshop. And that um, is on June 6th. And that will be 830 to three again at the extension office. So you can give us a call if you're interested in any of those. Um, and then Adrienne, you guys have um, another teacher workshop with uh, Texas Wildlife, right? That's correct. So like I said earlier, we, we teach students during the school year, and during the summer we work with teachers in expanding their curriculum. And we have, throughout the summer, we'll have a number of teacher workshops throughout the Houston area, and we'll have one at the Ag Extension office in Conroe. It's at, a great place to host trainings. It, <laughs> it is. I mean, you have the garden next door that, with the Master Gardener garden. 
Uh, so it's a really lovely place, and it's on July 25th. Uh, it's from 9 to 4. It's geared toward teachers, educators for K through 8. Uh, all of our programs are TEKS aligned for those grades, and we walk through several different science-based, hands-on lessons that can be integrated into classrooms. Uh, we'll, we'll have teachers not just from Conroe, but all across the Houston area, and we have these uh, workshops all across te Texas, actually. So sometimes we have teachers coming in from West Texas or the Dallas area that are visiting, and they want to get their credit hours as well. So we offer those credit hours to them uh, during that time. Cool. Uh, to sign up is through our website, mm -hmm. texas-wildlife.org, and uh, our, through our resources page and uh, educator and volunteer resources. Great. So lots of opportunities to learn more, scooters teaching, um, lots of people, important things, teaching them more. And you're doing a type of rehab. And then you were telling us, Adrienne, about some about the rehab center. So it's a different kind of rehab. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> talk to us about That's rehabbing. Right. So part of my uh, volunteer service that I do regularly is uh, with the Friends of Texas Wildlife in Magnolia. And we take in injured and orphaned wildlife. They're native animals, uh, so no, no house cats uh, <laughs> or your dog. Those would go to a vet. But uh, anything from fawns to owls and bald eagles, uh, raccoons, opossums, we get thousands of animals every single year that have been knocked down uh, from their nests by a storm um, or who, that have been hit by a car. A lot of the predatory birds we get in have unfortunately had run-ins with cars um, just because of their nature and they don't, they don't really know what a car is. <laughs> uh, we've had armadillos. A, a lot of the animals we get in are going to be in the springtime when we get a lot of baby animals that have been uh, abandoned or possibly kidnapped by people mm, unknowingly. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, our understanding of wildlife is, is there are a lot of people who really, really care and aren't really sure how to properly care for them. And a lot of times that means leaving a baby on the ground when you feel it's unsafe. Um, it's the best thing for that animal. People are not the best animal moms, honestly. Uh, but we do what we can for animals that really do need the help if they're injured uh, or sick or have been truly abandoned. Mm -hmm. uh, but things like fawns, a lot of times when you see a fawn, you know, good job on seeing a fun first of all, mm -hmm. they're really well camouflaged. Uh, but during the day, the, the doe will bed them down. She leaves them in a spot where she'll know where they're at later on in the day and she'll come back to feed them. And the reason she does this is because the fawn doesn't have a scent, but the mom does. And so if the mom is hanging around, that fawn is very vulnerable to predators and it's more likely that the fawn will be attacked if the mom is hanging around. So she leaves the fawn where it's at and goes off and feeds herself and comes back to, to feed the fawn. Um, sometimes people don't see the fawns and, or even rabbits. A lot of times uh, rabbit nests and fawns get hit by lawnmowers. Mm. Uh, so those are the kind of dangerous situations where we, we would need to take that animal and, and help to rehab. A lot of the animals go to a rehabber's house where they actually take care of them there in their house uh, and give them medicine, give them the the necessary, you know, triage that they need in order to be re-released. Uh, in order to be a rehabber, you have to be permitted. Uh, there's federal and state permits that we have to have in order to do this. 
Uh, so it's it's definitely not advisable. It's it's illegal, in fact, to rehab something at your house if you are not permitted to do that. Um, including things like birds, baby birds are often kidnapped too. They are learning how to fly a lot of times when people find them on the ground mm -hmm. and they kind of need a little tough love birds do in order to learn how to fly. Um, but if I probably recommend if you find a baby bird on the ground, you can, and you know where the nest is, you can actually put it in a basket or a box and hang it in that tree where the nest is and the mama bird will come and take care of it there. Okay. Um, so yeah, try, you know, try your best to do your, do your research on the friends of Texas wildlife.org website. They actually have, information on what to do if you find an injured or orphan animal. Um, and, you know, maybe some of the best advice is just to leave it alone. Yeah. Brandon, you were a rescue dad not long ago. You said you, you found some baby baby raccoons and you rescued yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is, uh, I was headed down the road, looked in my rearview mirror, saw this possum that had been hit and I'd passed her and um, noticed these little ones in the middle of the road and where, you know, normally you might just keep going. I thought, you know what? I will not sleep at night if I don't go back. Her. And so I went, and there was two that that were not yet, you know, had fallen victim to the oncoming cars. So I picked them up, put them in a box, and I called Mr. Heimer. It was actually the day he retired. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, said, hey, where do I take these? And he told me about Friends of Texas Wildlife. And so I went out there and uh, handed them over to the lady. And really nice people. Um, and, you know, they work off of donations from, from people um, and other sponsorships. So uh, I gave them some money um, in donation to help offset the cost of caring for them. Um, but a really great service, and I sure felt better about it. So, yeah. And, you know, in, in my line of work, it's not only just seeing something like that hit on the side of the road, but right now is a time where people are in the hay fields. Mm. So we hear about a lot of interaction with deer uh, mainly baby fawns. So that's a good information to know if you have that kind of interaction with a baby fawn and you need that kind of assistance, maybe contact them. If you've injured one, um, they are very well hidden and that grass can be two to three foot tall depending on when you cut it. So, um, you know, that's an unfortunate thing this time of year, but a lot of fawns get, get injured if you're not necessarily paying attention to what's right there. And they don't really move either. They they stay very still. So anyway. Yeah, a lot of the, the baby animals we get in the springtime are going to be uh, raccoons and opossums and squirrels. We get a lot of squirrels as well. We have three types of squirrels here in Houston. Did you know that? I did not know we that. We have fox squirrels. They have kind of a reddish belly. We have a gray squirrels. They have a little bit gray belly. <laughs> and then we have flying squirrels, which are nocturnal. You probably don't see them very often. But they're very small, and they're obviously not true flying animals, they're gliders, but um, but the, the raccoons and the opossums are, are more common. And uh, I, I'm, I'm an educator, so I do say opossum <laughs> because we don't have possums here. Possums <laughs> live in Australia, but I'll forgive you, Brandon. Uh, uh, everybody knows what you're talking about. When you say possum, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I know I'm the odd one out here, but I'm teaching oh, kids. Oh, so <laughs> That's what it is. Oh. I'm teaching kids, so I have to say it correctly. So uh, opossums are pretty unique. They are only marsupial native to North America, so they, are, they have a pouch. And when their babies are born, they're the size of a jelly bean. They crawl into that pouch, and that, that mama opossum can have up to 13 babies. And they stay in that wow. pouch for two to three months, and they're stuck there. 
So if yeah, one gets hit by a car, we have to we have to pick it up and take care of it mm. because you don't know if there are baby opossums in there. So to find out, so someone, you know, maybe they're listening and they, later on they come across something and they go, what do I do? Because I remember hearing them say to do, what, what would you suggest? Could you Google it on your yeah. on your iPhone or your smartphone as fast as you can? Or I would suggest staying off Google. Oftentimes <laughs> it gives you yeah. results like give it goat's milk or something. Mm. And the problem with those kinds of tips is that may not be what that animal needs at that moment, especially if that animal has internal trauma and feeding it or giving it something to eat or drink could be more damaging to it. So call a rehabber. There are on the Texas Parks and Wildlife website. There are actually uh, rehabbers listed there. Um, or look on the Friends of Texas Wildlife website or call. It gives you information about what to do with that animal. Put it in a safe quiet place. You know, think of it as, as a wild animal. It's not comfortable with people. So scaring it, stressing it out may not be the best thing for them. Uh, but they, the, the best thing is quiet and warm. warm. Warmth can save a life for sure, especially those younger animals um, that would... And so warmth even in the heat of the summer, that's something that... Because, yeah. I mean, I guess for me, that would be counterintuitive. I would think, yeah. cool it off because it's yeah. so hot out here. Yeah, you would think. You would that's think. why I'm, I'm calling Brandon. Or but, calling I mean, if you think about those those birds that are in a nest and mm-hmm. the mama bird sits on her babies to keep them warm, they have mm-hmm. a lower body temperature. They don't have feathers. Um, those baby opossums or raccoons or squirrels may not have fur to keep them warm. And so being able to keep them warm is, is really important. And And all of these animals are, of course, important for our ecosystem so even though a lot of times we think of raccoons as, as being pests, they, they provide a, a service for our ecosystems. Opossums eat ticks and, and um, are immune to Lyme disease. So those are kinds of things. And they eat cockroaches. They can eat venomous snakes. and mm-hmm. they can A bit. lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're really, really good animals to have in our neighborhoods. And it's important to, to learn more about them. And uh, Friends of Texas Wildlife actually has... Every second Saturday of the month, they have an open house where you can go visit and meet some of the education animals that are non-releasable um, and learn more about some of the animals that they take in and how to take care of animals that are in your neighborhood. And where are they located at? They're in Magnolia um, off Dobbin Huffsmith. I wish I could give you an exact address, but uh, if you look on Friends of Texas Wildlife or ftwl.org mm-hmm. is uh, their, their website. So you can Google to find reliable sources of information. Don't you Google can. to find out, how, but Google to find Texas Wildlife and yes. rehab centers yes. and find good information. The, the yeah. good information. It's be picky. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break, and then um, we'll look it up, and then we can let people know when we come back. Um, a few more things to talk about in our last little segment um, with the Extension Hour. We'll be right back. Extension Service is all about extending knowledge and providing solutions. We do that by using science-based information to create high-quality and relevant education for the people of Texas. More importantly, this outstanding education is delivered locally, right here in our county. We encourage lasting and effective change that helps our communities and our county thrive. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Don't miss Lone Star Community Radio on TV and YouTube. Our talk show and music shows are featured on Our City TV, Suddenlink Channel 12, and have their own YouTube channel. 
Make sure to subscribe to keep up with posted shows and comment on them below the video. Did you know that there are over 153 million orphans in the world today? The sad reality is 99% of those kids will likely never be adopted. Core Love is an organization right here in Conroe that takes care of orphan children in Haiti, Honduras, and India. We bring the love of Jesus by providing their six basic needs of clean water, proper food, health care, education, job skills, and a loving home. Visit corelove.org. That's C-O-R-E-L-U-V dot org. Will you help defend the orphan? The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Welcome back to the Extension Hour. Uh, so every Friday, one to two, we've got lots of things to talk about. We've been talking about Master Naturalist and some of the cool things that you guys have been doing. Um, quickly, some of the things for the agriculture, there's Achieve Your Vegetative Control Goals, which was actually rescheduled. Um, mm -hmm. So that's going to be on June 15th. And that is, um, is that at the Extension Office or at so the, the fair? Yeah. yeah, the forest. And then um, also there's going to be a Community Resilience Workshop in July, on July 23rd. So we will talk about that more in the future. So we just have a few more minutes left. And I want to kind of uh, do some like the ones you know you know better, right? So, Brandon, you were mentioning something about snakes. Well, this time of year, things are out, they're crawling, and we get a lot of calls on identification of snakes. And a lot of times when we see them, if they didn't take a chance to just take a picture of him and send it to it, a lot of times they've chopped its head off already and eliminated it, and they ask us when... A lot of people don't, don't understand the benefits that some snakes can have to them around their home um, before they've eliminated him. So... That's something Adrian can probably speak to, you know, a great deal. It's just take your time to research those things. Because they may be kind of scary, but there are good things about having There are venomous snakes, and there yeah. are non-venomous snakes. And some of these non-venomous snakes are actually eliminating things at your home you don't want. Yeah. Mice, other venomous snakes, things like that. So, Yeah, and I, I deal with kids all the time, and I hear, what's interesting is I hear usually something that's obviously been repeated from an adult, um, on to be scared of wildlife rather than respect it and understand it in their natural habitat. Uh, because kids are naturally curious in, in good ways and bad ways, of course, and in, in how they interact with wildlife. But starting them early and, and reaching them where they're at and, and getting them to understand the benefits of these things is important early on. Yeah, so being curious, asking questions, Absolutely. wondering why, not just, uh, you know, kind of back to the caterpillar story. You mm -hmm. just, uh, first of all, assume that it's ugly and it must be bad and it must be eliminated, but that's not necessarily be. true. No, no. Yeah, so what's something around, I mean, we've been talking about lakes and that kind of thing that yeah. you wish people knew. The biggest thing is just protecting your water. Um, and when I say protect your water, we have aquifer streams, lakes, ponds that we usually don't think about protecting when we start going out there and applying pesticides, herbicides, fertilizers. We just go to town and we don't even think about where this stuff is running off to. 
And that's just something that we need to start thinking more and more about is, is it that important to use that herbicide? Is it, is it something that we want in our drinking water? Sure. Um, and that's just something that we're trying to push with these projects is, you know, think about what you're doing to our water systems. Yeah, and so uh, water systems too, the ponds is mm -hmm. one of those things that you get questions about all the time, right, Brandon? Oh, yeah, yeah. And but, uh, as it relates to the natural environment, a lot of people don't realize what's actually a healthy pond and a not healthy pond. Yes, there can be an unhealthy vegetative load, but having one that's crystal clear mm -hmm. isn't exactly healthy either. That's mm -hmm. kind of like the desert to your fish population, your ecosystem. Uh, that involves plankton and a lot of other conversation, but... Um, a lot of people call me wanting to achieve the crystal clear pond and they don't realize maybe that's not the healthiest environment for mm. the fish that I want to keep or whatnot. Go ahead. You know, somebody, something I learned from the Bayou Land Conservancy, uh, a group in the Houston area, is that one of the, the top pollutants of our waterways here in the Houston area is dog poop. Mm. Because a lot of our waterways or, or a lot of our neighborhoods rather are along our waterways and people don't pick up after their dogs. And it's something that's so easy to do something that's very, uh, very easy solution for something that, that can be taken care of um, just by individual people. Yeah. Okay, so individual people interested in doing something more, making a difference. How do they get connected with Master Naturalist? Well, one of the best ways is to come to our meetings. We have our every first Wednesday of the month is when we have our chapter meetings. And you don't have to be a Master Naturalist to come to our chapter meetings. Our next meeting is this next Wednesday, June 5th, at the AgriLife Extension in Conroe uh, at 6 p.m. And we will be having a discussion about uh, from Steve Goldberg the, from the International Dark Sky Association about light pollution and how it affects people and animals. All right. And a phone number. And a phone number. We don't, I don't think we have a phone number. We're kind of all volunteers. And so, okay. Um, well, I'll tell you our phone number. You can get, definitely contact our office and we'll get you connected. 936 539 7825, 7824, 7822, all of those. Yeah, one of those will get you connected. Um, and uh, also, we are online. We've got a Facebook page. You guys have a Facebook page? Absolutely. Yep. So, um, yeah, you can uh, search for, for those and connect with us that way. Thank you guys so much uh, for being here so today. Much. Lots thank of great you. information. Uh, we are going to skip next week. Uh, you have to take some summer vacation, and then uh, we'll be back um, after that with lots more good information every Friday, 1 to 2 p.m., right here on the Extension Hour on IRLoneStar.com. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for checking out this show on Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. This show is owned and produced by Lone Star Community Radio and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. For more information about this show, to be a guest or to sponsor, just contact the studio at 936-647-3776 to leave a message or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com.